So there's this other phenomenon that happens too, right? Yeah. Is that when we're here just joking around, it is it's whatever it is. Yeah. But once we go live, I'm deferential to my teacher, and that's that true. Also uh-huh. includes me like lowering my tone and all that kind of stuff. It just happens automatically. It's not like I'm a good person. Wow. Oh, it's okay. just like it's just like year, <laughs> years of years of indoctrination. <laughs> Uh, all right. But I'll, I'll try to be conscious of it. All right, so I, I, I'm gonna just gonna assume we're live. So, assalamu uh, alaikum, everyone. Um, so, that. so welcome to. I'm not even sure what uh, episode we're on. I think 16. I think this is 16. 16? All right, yeah, so welcome to the 16th episode of the Safina Society podcast. Everyone. Sweet 16. Alhamdulillah. There you go. Um, well, this is uh, the way of the kafar, so I'm not. Gonna <laughs> 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 it's, it's episode 15, by the way. Starting uh, uh, 15, episode, anyway. Yeah. Episode 15. The quinceanera. All right. So uh, started off, started off right. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk about a couple of things, and it's gonna be, it's gonna seem like it's uh, disconnected, mm-hmm. but something that's been on my mind. I had a, I had a different topic on my mind, mm-hmm. and then I saw a picture someone sent me yesterday. Um, so basically there is this trend nowadays of this go to a weekend mm-hmm. workshop mm-hmm. in some Islamic class and you get an ijazah at the end. Mm-hmm. And this has become an issue because now it's like, oh, you know, I went to go learn the thick of parasailing and now I have an <laughs> ijazah in it, right? Yeah. Um, so like, can you tell us a little bit about what an ijazah is and what that means? Ijazah used to be uh, basically a type of singular teacher diploma on a specific subject from a specific person. And if you notice, in Islam, uh, in Islamic history, teaching license diplomas were never given from institutions. What's an institution? A lot of things could slip through an institution, right? Diplomas were given from a sheikh, a teacher, right, to a student on a specific, very specific work. Right, you so you could have ijazah in one book, right? Right. That means that that sheikh knows that you, you understood that book, the content of that book. Does that mean you could teach it? Which means that you could teach it as right. well, right? And there weren't grades back in the day. He kept teaching you until you understood. You got to understand it completely. There's no passing, and there's no cramming to pass a test. This is not how sheikh used to operate, right? right. They used to you used to be with them. There's a relationship between you and him through discussion. He knows what you know and what you don't know. Then he writes for you a document. It could be very simple with his hand, right? That I have given him the permission to now that he's basically confirms his understanding and he can go teach that, right? And it goes back to him. It's on the ijazah is a responsibility on the sheikh such that if that person goes off, the sheikh can withdraw it. Right. Institutional diplomas are far less rigorous Right? right, institutional diplomas, but also this phenomenon. What happens is uh, a lot of people began taking the ijazah as a big deal, right? right? And maybe I don't know how it happens, but people began to give ijazahs loosely, right? And people began to use ijazahs like anything. When a social group does something, you start taking the symbols of what that social group does and using it to show off. This happens all the time. Yeah, right. Absolutely. If I did something totally crazy like started uh, wearing some ridiculous outfit. Then you go and you get a following of people. And then people from the outside look, oh my gosh, uh, a million people watch this video of, of this guy putting a feather on his head, for example, right? Then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people put feathers on their heads and it becomes a status symbol, right? Mm. This is what humans do. So much so to the point that many ulama, I've talked to many ulama, 
Sheikh Abdul Rahman, for example, Rabta Hajj's son. He spoke, he said, we don't write anything down for people. We know you. He's like talking right. about the student. We know we know the student and we know if he understands or not. Period. Right? Right. So that it's not, it does it to avoid all that. And I was surprised. I thought they all operate with these fancy ijazas in each book and whatnot. He said, no, no, no. What we care about is al-fahm, understanding. Right? We want to make sure you understand. And if you understand something, you don't need a piece of paper. Right? As right. simple as that. Uh, to be honest with you, the type of ijazas that did need documentation was when a sheikh handed over his entire like chair and his corpus of students as an official heir to his work. Right. And for example, Sheikh Ahmed Al-Alawi, he's from Mustag, uh, Mustaghanim. I think it's called Mustaghanim or Mustaghanim, however they pronounce it in Algeria. When he went to Damascus, he moved to Damascus, he had so many followers right disciples really not even students disciples they live their life on the guidance of the sheikh okay uh as he was getting older it was so serious to him that no one uses his name right to go and do abuse right or to go and get their own following okay and abuse his name that when he gave to sheikh al-hashimi the uh as his heir okay he actually asked for the government of Syria to officially document his will. Right. So that no one goes, and this happened all the time. You got many people that'll go off to the East. They'll meet a very uh, charismatic Sheikh who has an amazing picture, right? Big beard. Maybe he doesn't talk to people. Maybe he's in a little, um, lives in a, uh, like a hermitage or something like this. Right. Right. But he's got thousands of followers of Murids. And he'll go, and he'll come back to us who know nothing. And this is before the age of internet. And then he'll come and say, the sheikh gave me the permission. Or the sheikh told me to do this, right? Yeah, the sheikh told you, and there were also 500 other people in the room. He doesn't tell you that, right? Right. The sheikh told everyone to go do this, right? So basically, this type of... uh, And now, in the modern sense, it's become uh, a sales technique. Right. And people ask me, me, do you give a certification? I'm like, I'm wondering... You're not going to get employed with this certification. It's not like a plumber's certificate where you're going to turn <laughs> a $90,000 degree, $90,000 salary because now you have a license to do all sorts of jobs. Where right? People put it on their uh, <clears throat> spiritual resume nowadays. Right? And uh, that's what I'm wondering. Like, <laughs> and, on their, and on their Instagram. On their Instagram, uh, uh, their bio, like, oh, yeah. I have uh, a Jaza from XYZ Institute. Yeah, I, I don't um, get this. In xyz subject I, I, t- I totally don't get this because what are you going to do with that ijaz it's not like there's nothing spiritual or material from that piece of paper so if you went and you stepped out for the ceremony is there a difference if you attended the whole class and you stepped out at the moment they're giving out the st- these these certificates right is there a difference now in that between you and the other people no right? it doesn't make a difference mm. we, we a lot of people have gone uh get sucked into this issue of certification yeah it's about understanding. Right. This is a modern mm-hmm. mentality. Well, it's, just a, it's just a Western educational decorum. That's what it is. It's like, okay, they, the conference of degrees and, and all of this stuff, It's that's what Completely it's adopted from. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there's, the, there's this one thing that's important in this, in this uh, subject area. And that's if you now go and you set yourself up as a teacher and you're teaching a certain text or you're teaching a certain subject, you know... Mm-hmm. between you and Allah whether you're te- you're really qualified to do it mm-hmm. and sometimes if your teacher gives you a real ijazah saying I've I certify that you are in fact qualified in this subject 
you can go and teach it. Even if you never show that to someone and even if it's just a verbal mm-hmm. uh, conference of that teaching license, it's really about on the day of judgment whether you took a mantle on that didn't belong to you. Yeah. So right. the only real value is between you and Allah. So yeah, these big, really fancy certificates that we see people getting that are highly decorated and they're you know printed on parchment paper and somebody hand calligraphied the whole thing. <laughs> like, it's not going to do anything for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, make it if you do a comparison to uh, pieces of paper that really matter, right? Is it those things that you actually need to 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 do your trade, right? Yeah. So yeah, to earn your li- your right. living. And and if you think about those, those are very highly monitored. Like someone who goes and gets uh whatever licensing to to be an electrician yeah right because of how much risk is involved right it's very hard to get those it's not easy you got to get recertified every so often yeah and and this is the funny thing about islamic colleges which i i'm not saying they're bad but i don't understand certain things about them i would reform all these colleges if i could do you have a's b's c's d's and f's you can only have an a right Right. How could you have a C in Aqidah and, and get a degree? <laughs> uh, tell me. Right? There's one, there true. is one permissible grade, which is an A. Yeah, it should be oh, pass-fail, and yeah. pass is pass, really hard. Yeah. And pass should yeah. be like 80%. Yeah. Right. And at that least, should be at the yeah. discretion yeah. of the teacher, right? Like they should understand what a pass is, what yeah. a fail yeah. is. Right? So, I mean, it's... it's you know, it's, but it's my funny. My question is, how do you give... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. How do you give somebody a C in like one of these... Like, I don't understand how... Like, oh, you know it, like... They got 75% of the questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> Think about it, like we were saying yesterday in the class, that uh, when I asked Sheikh Sadiq how they teach in the Quran in, in, in Mauritania, he says the he recites the entire Quran, right? And if he makes three mistakes, the entire Quran, yeah. right, it's over. Yeah. And he's got to start and do <laughs> yes. it again. Go back, review yeah. for a month, right. and come back. And he said, those are the lenient sheikhs. The real, the older Mashaikh who, who despised this, this Ruhsa, one mistake. They despise it? <laughs> one mistake. One mistake from the whole Quran. Yeah. And by the way, they have levels of Ijazah. Right. So this, that's the recitation. <clears throat> Number two, listen to this one. They have to write it out. From memory, with all the marks, wow. all the marks. And that means you have to know where the ayah stops are for yeah. every stop. And you have to know where the marks are, right? Think about this, because there are pause marks, which most people, you don't have to observe, right? There are pause marks. Right. There are recommended pauses. There are for, uh, frowned upon pauses, right? And there are th- even prohibited pauses. And even there's marks or areas in the, t- in, the, in the recitation where you have to pause at one of two. Like if you open the first page of Surah Al-Baqarah, mm-hmm. right across from Surah Al-Fatiha, you're going to find three dots, right? Dhalik al-Kitab, la raib, three dots, and then fi, three dots, so you have to stop at one of the two, but not neither and not both. Think about this. Wow, they have man. to memorize all that and write it yeah. out with no mistakes. Oh. And we got people over here like with take C- a weekend oh, seminar. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? With that's like not a C in Quran. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not really that. To be honest, that's not an overly rigorous standard. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if you're getting certified as this, you're getting certified as what? Someone who has memorized the entire book of Allah. Right. Mm-hmm. Which cannot have mistakes. Of course, have mistakes. Yeah, right. So yeah, exactly. not have three mistakes. mistakes is very linear. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Actually, that's a lot of mistakes. Subhanallah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that I was going to say before is I met someone, um, and I've seen his uh, mm-hmm. educational bio or whatever. You know, the thing you put online. Mm-hmm. CV. 
where he claims to have to be to he lists studied at such and such university right but really he was like at a mahad of like like the high school level of oh, that so university cool. and i know this for a fact because i yeah. know what he was doing when he was in that country i know people that were with him but he claims to have studied at that university. he doesn't say what degree he got or that he completed it but even to use the name of the university when you were at like a like a basic intro high yeah. school that's like sort of associated with it this is what people do yeah it's like Just faking the, it uh, Just faking it the like the, uh, when you have like a Harvard prep school and you got like remedial math, yeah, you know, and yeah. now and then say I went to Harvard because you went to Harvard yeah. prep, yeah, you went to Harvard, <laughs> but which yeah. one? Uh, and people do this all the time. So I was, uh, <coughs> I told a story on my uh, Facebook status that my dad always tells me this story that if you want to make money in India, mm-hmm. you do the following. Mm-hmm. He's like, you hire a bunch of people, you tell them that when I enter a room, I want you to stand up. When I leave the room, I want you to sit down. I want you to start wearing long thobes and carry thicker beads. Wow. Right? And he's like, then you start wearing an amama. Like, uh-huh. you, you wear the turban. Then you start carrying thicker beads. <laughs> you start telling them, tell everybody I'm a sheikh. Subhanallah. Right? Then you gather more of these people. Yeah. Then somebody comes with a, a problem. Let's say yeah. let's say some guy comes and he says, you know, I'm I'm experiencing doubt or something. You get a little shack, like a little shack in the back. Yeah. You put them in there. You lock them in there. You give them a, a dick. It could be anything. Yeah. Say, Ya Latif. Say it 300,000 times. You starve them for three days, right? He'll start having visions because of starvation. Yeah. And he comes out. Now he thinks you're a sheikh. He believes you're a sheikh, right? Now, over time, your following will grow. That's when you start yeah. taking money, right? So my dad always tells me this story. Like, he jokes around. Like, this is how you make money in So India. peer, basically, peer uh like how to, how to become like a peer, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I was joking around that we could do a very similar thing in America. Mm-hmm. You start an institute. Yeah. You may, you get a fancy logo. Uh-huh. You get a fancy brochure, a brand. You start telling people that you give out ijazas for uh, classes like Fick of Parasailing. Think of uh, think of anything. As yeah. a matter of fact, uh, window cleaning. Wait, why do you keep using that parasailing? Because it's <laughs> it's it, it, it so, a story. You can legit do want, parasailing in one I weekend. Hear yeah. Because I it's hear it's very simple. <laughs> because it's absurd. Because people yeah. do this, right? And then you start giving out ajahs. So gimmicks. Yeah, a gimmicks. Gimmicks. G- the gimmickizing. How do you how how would you say that? Gimmickizing. Yeah, fiqh. Fiqh learning yeah. All, yeah. all these kind. Con- there is no concept of a chain. No concept of. Uh, you know, passing on knowledge, right? It's just, I go here, I learn from some random person, yeah. and now I'm done. I'm telling you, the business of Islam is very easy for someone to be lured into hmm. the business of Islam. And this is, a, it's a choice. Ultimately, yeah. if Allah guides you to realize that, oh my gosh, you're like a businessman, right? Do you want to be a businessman or do you want to teach, you know, the deen? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that these things don't have a business element to it, obviously, but at the same time, what is the initial motive, right? Like, for example, I always ask myself, if 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 there was no money in this, would you still do it? Mm. If the answer is yes, then maybe you have a good intention, right? Like trips outside. When you people go on these trips or people go do things out, out of their area. So you are traveling 5,000 miles for these strangers to teach them. Is it really that you were traveling to teach them or is it in fact a type of business turnover? And why do I say this? Why is this important to say? It's because what comes from the heart stays in the heart, reaches other people's hearts. Say not even Abi Talib said, whatever comes out of the heart will stay, will reach the other people's heart. Right. But whatever comes just from the tongue only doesn't even pass the ears. 
So if if all of us and we all do dawah to it, we're all doing dawah, right? We're all trying to pass on whatever knowledge we have. But if we're sincere, the dawah of one minute could last a lifetime, if it's sincere. But if it's with a motive, with a financial gain, then we're all wasting time, right? It's all a waste of time. Then you could do dawah for ten years, okay? And it's not, and a person could forget it all and 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 lose their complete interest right, in a day, right? It happens because it, it, there's nothing there. It's fluff. Yeah, and it and I think it's because in recent times, it's like Saad was saying, it's like it's this modern thinking, right? That you need to you need to accomplish something. Like you need mm-hmm. to take this weekend seminar and you need to come away with a certificate. Otherwise you didn't learn anything. A lot of people, oh, they always ask me, is there going to be a certificate at the end of this? Yeah. I'm very com- uh, uh, wondering what is the purpose of this? What, why yeah. do you need that piece of paper? Right. You either understood and you could live it and pass it on or you didn't understand. Like, why do you need that piece of paper? Yeah. You, you know what's crazy is that it's even worse than like a, a university or a school, for example. Because at least at the school or at the university level, you have to take a test. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things, you don't even have to take a test. You just got to attend for the weekend. And at mm-hmm. the end, you'll, you'll get participation you'll get, you'll get the certificate yeah, right? without, an, without an even as, an assessment. It's brilliant shit. Because so, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. People are growing up in this participation. <laughs> yeah. We played. We got yeah. rocked 12 to nothing. But we should all get trophies. Yeah, I mean, I showed up. Yeah. I wore a uniform. I didn't even get it dirty, but whatever. Give me a trophy. Yeah. Show, give me. Some, I went a yeah. whole weekend and sat in this course I and remember, barely played on my phone. <laughs> some people. I remember. I remember being about seven or eight years old, and uh, my sister was one of these. You know, in your schools, when you have in class, when you have that one girl, she never even gets an A minus. Yeah. Right. My sister was that that girl in school. Yeah. She did not even if she got a ninety two. The whole house is upside down, and she's got rethinking her whole what, what's going on in her life. That's the type of high school student she was, right? Right. Straight, and my mom. And so was girls, by the way. Uh, yeah, they're always uh, they're the ones who are very particular about these things, like the handwriting, as if it's typed in in that script typing. Yeah. Right. My mom, my mom would show me her report card, right, and I'm like, how is this good for me? I'm done. I'm not even competing with this, right? So I remember going to an award ceremony. Right. The high school award ceremony. Right. For my sister. And she got like four awards that night. And each award was like a very valuable pin. Right. Like a very. But there were only 10 awards given or something. Right. Now, fast forward. It's now year 20, whatever. And I'm going to another ceremony at another school. And I'm like, wow. okay, let's see who's going to get the awards for this. And the ceremony goes on for an hour until every single kid gets an award. I'm like this is this is a glorified roll call is what it is you have created awards for people if everyone gets an award what is the value of, what's the value of anything right it's true you know? right it's very true yeah which is why some one of the brothers uh I don't even know he if I can call him a brother he doesn't believe in hell right that why people why God would put people in hell he doesn't believe in hell he says he's a Muslim who doesn't believe in hell go figure okay and he wow. believes if people go in, they'll just go in for a little bit, like a little fl- fresh, flash directly addressed. Unbelievable. It. <laughs> so it's an ayah. Yeah. It's directly addressed <laughs> in multiple areas as a pillar of religion. Yeah. And he says, uh, I don't believe God would put people in hell. I was like, then what is the point of all the effort people are doing if no one, if there's, if there's nothing there? Right. There's, if there's no negative consequence, right, then why aren't you in Las Vegas enjoying yourself? Be real. Yeah. Right. 
Go enjoy yourself in Las Why Vegas. When it gets miserable, shooting yourself in the head. Yeah. Because what is the point of anything then? You're going to tell me all this effort to be a family man, all this effort to pray and be part of the mosque, you th- all this to, to have a halal earning, to study, all this effort, and we're all going to get the same result Bullshit. at the this end is, of the day? This is this is clouded in heavy sarcasm, but shouldn't we all just love Allah? That's the thing. Oh, <laughs> but By the way, this is tyranny of love. I'm telling you, what's out there now in the world today Especially in the uh, the amongst the group of people out there who accept Muslims, right? Well, they also accept everyone else. This is one thing Sheikh Sharawi said: If you want something, expect don't expect it to come down for you alone, mm. right? When Allah brings it down, it's going to come for everyone, right? So guidance, for example, you want to be guided. All right, you'll be guided, but everyone else will be guided too. Yeah. So you can't expect I want to be guided and nobody else. Likewise, like when we get accepted politically. Muslims are accepted. Everyone else is accepted too. Everyone who doesn't believe what you believe, right? Yeah. So amongst this group of people, there's this notion that, you know, uh, there should be no concept of a negative consequence anywhere, right? No concept of a negative consequence anywhere. Like what do you what do you mean? There's no, there's no negative consequence. Like it's bad, okay? It's bad if there's a negative. There cannot be anyone bad, right? Like there's no one could go to hell. There's no one could be deemed bad. This is a and and what this is to me is it's a tyranny of love. It's misusing love. So right? they believe like even evil people like they don't they don't get punished. I, I don't know what, what he believes and how he justifies it. Right. Yeah. I'm sure some people in his in his view will be yeah. punished. Right. I want to ask him what about Hitler then. Right. Right. And so no no he'll be punished. Okay. On what basis? Your basis. Right. Uh, on whose basis? My mind. Yeah. I mean, then, yeah, that doesn't it's, make any it's, sense. It's, it's, it's taking love and misplacing it so badly and, and, and covering even, over. Even human societies have punishment. Yeah. It's like there's exactly. consequences for your action in the material world. So why wouldn't there be, yeah. <laughs> if, if from a spiritual perspective, it doesn't make any sense. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to derail this. So um, that was really, uh, I think we hit a lot of the points that I wanted to just on this because it's been well, boggling. Podcast over. There you go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to actually get to our real topic um, is, and because I didn't think we could cover an hour in this, but All I want right. to, I want to talk about being Muslim at work. <clears throat> uh, this is Saad's favorite topic. Critical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Critical. Oh, uh, sad. Being Muslim at Verizon, you mean? I think just just work culture in general, probably. Yeah. Um, do you think, and and Saad, and so since Saad and I talk about this on a daily basis, um, what is uh toxic about modern work culture? That's a that's an insane question because there's a lot that's toxic. It's it, there's there's different yeah. toxicities yeah, per discipline absolutely. and type of job. I think the first thing I'll start at what boggles my mind, right, is the concept of people skipping Juma to be in meetings, mm. right? right? People skipping Juma or people skipping prayers, prayers because they have a meeting because they have something going on. Yeah, I I don't think people actually understand the importance of prayer. L- uh, let me give you. Um, an example that people should take. There's a guy who works for uh, definitely a top 500 company, right? One of the top 500 companies in the world. Okay. Mm. And this brother, he wears his kufi to work, right? He wears his kufi to work because there's a lot of mingling in his job, right? And he has cut it immediately. I'm not saying everyone has to wear a kufi to work. I'm just saying you what kind of example this guy is, right? He wears a kufi to his job. 
to cut right away, to send a message right away. I'm not that type of person. I'm not going drinking. I'm not chit-chatting with women, right? I'm not doing any of these things. The man has never skipped a Jummah because of work. The first thing he tells people on the job is that he's got to do Jummah. Right. He's reached a point that his, at one point, his managers would know not to schedule meetings. He reached a point in the excellence of his work, despite the fact that he doesn't go to after parties. Right. He doesn't hang out where they hang out after work. He doesn't skip Jummah or any Salah. He's open about his salah. He's completely open about his salah, right? right? What he sacrificed, he doesn't care what people privately think of him, right? And by the way, whatever they privately thought of him because of his actual work, they don't think they don't care about that. It's way his work has actually outweighed what people could privately think of him. Mm-hmm. Eventually, a year or two ago, he became partner, right? and you yeah. know what that means, right? That means he's getting a, per- a monthly percentage of the entire operation's income. Right. He's become a partner. That means they know now that if his name is on an account, people just want his name on the account. Clients just want to see his name on the account. Right. So much so that the referrals are because of his name. Right. That's what a partner is. A partner is his name is has that much value that people just want his name on the account. So this is a brother who has uh, and I tell and I always use him as an example. He is nine to ten. Forget nine to five, like eight to eight in right. corporate America. There, uh, another, and he holds it down. Another story I have is um, I used to work, um, and, and I'm just going to name the company just so people understand that that they're that even in the most corporate cultures, you know, things can happen. So we used to work at J.P. Morgan um, in Jersey City. We used to so there was a bunch of uh, us Muslim brothers. Uh, Majid, he's not here, but you met him before. He, so we used to look for different rooms to try to go pray, mm-hmm. right? Um, like and, looking, like sneaking, like criminals. Yeah, yeah, like sneaking, like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Muslims can't look like that anymore. Yeah. yeah like, so hey, what are you doing on the eighth floor? <laughs> right? Yeah. So we used to go. Yeah, on random floors, find a conference room, this yeah. or that. We would. I remember, like, one of us would stand outside the bathroom. Three of us would make wudu, <laughs> right? So then one day we find you, you out. Know, you know, sad. One of them is dressing up as a janitor because if, if Carl comes, they they're got, gonna say, "Oh, sorry, just give us five minutes, sir. <laughs> give us five minutes, sir." Any peaks? Somebody, oh. somebody walks by. Their foot in the sink somebody, here. Somebody walks by. The dude outside's like whistling. He's like, I know, I he's know. like alerting <laughs> the others. Yep. Yeah, you don't want to get caught with your foot. So, in the sink. so basically, what happened is we then discovered. That there was a whole floor of Muslims. Like we had a prayer room, we had everything. So we we're like, all right, let's go check out this floor. We had never gone there. We go to this floor, we discover dudes all Muslim. The whole wow. floor is Muslim, right? Guys with beards, like fist long beards, wow. kufis, everything. So then, you know, Majibi turns to me, no, my other friend, he turns to me and he says, uh, He's like, you know why they have a room and we don't have a room? And I was like, why? He's like, because of how they look yeah. and they're firm and they're and they they yeah. got what they wanted, right? And I'm, uh, and I'm telling you, if you do your job, corporate America doesn't care. They had a they you had know? a whole room, a floor, <laughs> a bathroom, like yeah. they could do anything. They had jama five times, four times, yeah. three times a day, right? And it was ridiculous. I'm like, and this I'm is specifically crazy. talking about corporate America doesn't care when it's something to do with numbers or technology, where who you are doesn't actually matter. In journalism, it's a big deal. Academia, it's a huge deal, right? If you get caught believing in God, 
Yeah, some people could take issues, <laughs> right? Get caught. <laughs> people take issues. But when you talk about uh, sciences, when you talk about account, uh, accounting of these numbers, numbers and science, type, quantifiable types of industries, right? Uh, n- nobody cares what your name is. Bhaktapriya, whatever your name is, and no one cares how you, <laughs> you look. Come up with right? <laughs> no one cares about any of that stuff. Right? <laughs> as long as you can do the job, <laughs> uh, as long as you can p- do the job. Just no in case, case somebody's name is that. Yeah, Bhaktapriya Vindaloo or something like that. But we apologize. Uh, that's the thing. Vindaloo is a type of no food. Offense. Is that a food? What is that? Potato? How is that not offensive? <laughs> that's not offensive. Yeah, that shouldn't be offensive. Very offensive. Because you know there's someone out there making seven figures yeah. being a nerd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And good for them because they go out there and a lot of people, a lot of times they don't care. They have the thickest, heaviest accent. Oh, yeah. They don't try to Americanize. They don't try to make their wives Americanized, yeah. right? Right. Okay. And they get their, they do their thing, and then they go back to their cultural group after mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. And our problem is, growing up, mostly Arab and Desi middle class people, right? At least yeah. I can speak for the Arabs. And born here. That's a, that's a huge And key. born here. Not only do they just want to succeed in the job, they also want to be, mm-hmm. some people, not everyone, liked and loved by their colleagues they sure do well, your problem yeah. is you're not no one's going to the job to be liked and, you want to be liked yeah. and loved go back to your family right. go to your masjid make some friends but you go to the job to make money right if you know how to do the job no one should care if you're green if you pray if you don't pray if you have a a, a bigoted boss in america i guarantee you it's going to be one out of a lot there's not going to be a lot of bosses Right, we're just gonna give you a hard time because you pray. That's all in your head, and Shaitan puts it in your head that you can't pray and you can't do your deal. You know, Shaykh, I'll say just <clears throat> as a counterpoint to that: if you're working in a blue collar industry, yeah, you will find more bigots. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the even if the bigots in the in in the office jobs are just as bigoted in their heart, they know better than to express it. But say you work at like you know a canning factory out in the Midwest somewhere, right? Yeah. And you're a bunch of immigrants from like a, oh, a, you're gonna a, be a particular. Fun. So yeah. they're they're gonna give you a hard time. They're not gonna want to give you prayer breaks. Gonna, but in that case, you have to assert your rights, and yeah. you do have rights. You and do have me, legal uh, rights. And let me tell you something about blue collar jobs. They're gonna make fun of you for being Muslim, right? And you know what's gonna make them stop or laugh it off when you make fun of them back for being Polish or Italian or Irish. I'm telling you. They will equally laugh it off. If they're going to laugh it off. Okay, you're a guy just like us. Now I know that yeah. you're normal, right? Because you could take a, a joke and a hit and you can give one back, right? <laughs> that's by the way, how it works. If you're in a blue collar... People listening to this yeah. would not work in the corporate world. No, that's what I'm saying. Like if you're, working, if you're working with a bunch of guys, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Dish it out. Dish in it whatever... They, they, they're not taught to polish their language they're when not. they they deal with you they're by not. the way even in corporate america if it's just a couple two or three guys and you're all yeah, around yeah. the same age yeah, all, there's yeah. not an issue yeah. with it. it's going to be the same way yeah. and that's 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 actually a very important lesson is people will like you if you're not super fearful if you're not obsequious if you're not always mm-hmm. looking for their approval people exactly. will like you if you're yeah. like a person yeah. that stands up for themselves exactly. yeah. they'll respect you more yeah. I, I had a guy i worked a job one time in sales and there was a, a Marine, an ex-Marine on the job, right? And he was, a, he was in the division next next door. So he used to pass by, use our copy machine, and go back. And he would never look at me or talk to me, right? Until one day, I can't even remember what I said to him, but I said, you know, let me just ruffle this guy's feather up a little bit. And I gave him a couple jabs, 
right? <laughs> like like verbal jabs. I said something okay. to him. I like put him down a little bit, but in a funny way, right? And other people laughed, right? I'm telling you. We became very good friends on the job. Very good friends. Because he's like, oh, okay. This guy is not like some kind of weirdo that uh, whatever. That's it's what totally he, and, true. And, and, and when I when I heard he's in the Marines, what do you think of they're in the Marines, like being polite? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what they do. It's like uh, being in a locker room. It's like so a frat house. It's like being in a frat house yeah. or, or something. And, and a lot of these people in these days, did you guys play sports? Did you be on a team? Like, how could you not understand? And part of the problem is some of these... Uh, female teachers in the schools who take any type of verbal jab as bullying and they're teaching the next generation they're doing a disservice to the next generation this is like what we were talking about yesterday me and dr shelly i was saying that i'm gonna be in my 60s and still be one of the toughest people i know because the kids nowadays don't learn how to fight yeah so i'll still be able to beat up anybody that's like younger than me because they've been they would have gotten kicked out of grammar school if they pushed some kid or threw one punch so all the kids are going to be soft in this generation you know you know what it is though and it's not just uh like um people are afraid or they're weak it's an inferiority complex that's far bigger than just uh you know oh i i need to go to this meeting it's the, the people are so locked into this like prison of work that it's like, oh, I have to do this because my otherwise I'm not going to be sustained. Yeah. I'm not going to get any money. No, I think Moin, what you said to me once um, when we were having one of our discussions, the whole idea is like, okay, if you're missing prayer because of a meeting with mm-hmm. some person, right? That means <laughs> you're ranking the meeting with this person mm-hmm. lower than the meeting with your lord yeah. like where like just you got to check your priorities at that point that's yeah. true and and if anybody's sitting at home or listening to this and thinking oh i would never do that you probably do it a lot because you probably have missed uh Sfej, but you st- you're you're up for work on time always yeah but to pray sometimes you don't make it and here's a, a practice that a lot of people do which um is uh we were taught is not a is not a good practice which is I'm telling you, like, not a, a lot of people, a lot of us do it. We all probably did it at some point, but we should think twice about it. Is if Fedra is out at 719 in the winter or 720 in the winter, that's perfect because I could just set my alarm for 705, right? Get up, make Wudu, pray Fedra, and then go and stay awake. But the problem with that is while that is a valid prayer, we got to think twice about the statistics here. Of what are your chances of oversleeping that? Right? A lot of people oversleep that fedger because you you basically didn't give yourself a buffer. Whereas when we set our alarms for fedger, we should give ourselves a decent bu- a buffer, right, to make sure that we don't miss that prayer. Right, it's very important. And also, what you said about people missing the uh, uh, or being afraid—that's an imani issue about their sustenance and their risk and stuff, and knowing that whoever has fear of Allah first. Then you act, right, based upon that fear of God, then Allah Azza will never leave that person. And um, a lot of people, like myself included at one point, had to quit a job because they asked me to advertise alcohol, right? Can't do it. Advertise the, uh, what do they call it, the happy hour, right? Can't do that, right? They went up and down, jumping up and down. What do you mean you can't do that? You don't have to go, right? I was like, I was like yeah, well, that's your, uh, we can't even come near it, right? Well, you got to leave the job. Simple as that. Leaving the job. Right? Simple as that. I guarantee you. Show me one Muslim 
who has left the job for the sake of obeying the sacred law, following the sacred law, and he went hungry. I guarantee you everyone who's ever told you that they've left a job because they were explicitly asked to do something prohibited and they can't, they refuse, so they politely resign. I guarantee you all of them have a good story. Yeah. None of them are going two years unemployed. I guarantee you Allah comes to them. You have to have to walk with them. And I never found anybody who was trying to find a way to make wudu and pray the five prayers except that Allah has opened the door for them to pray right. and things come out. Absolutely. True. And we are lucky we're in America and not in a place like France, right? China. I mean, if we're complaining here, go to go go on a business trip to France. Go to France and see that these people are outrightly looking and trying to give you a hard time. In America, the way the culture is and the law is, they're looking as a way to accommodate you, right? They'd they're, be afraid to say no. They will be afraid to say no. They get sued. Yeah, they'll be afraid to say no. I remember uh, one of my employers, I gave him, uh, uh, I told him I have to pray Juma, right? And he was like, oh my, oh, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe this, right? And I was like, what's the problem? He's like, oh, you're going to take every Friday off. I guess I have to give it to you. I was like, no, not every Friday off. I just need an extra hour break. He's like, oh, that's no big deal. Right. He thought I, yeah, he, he thought and he's he was like now I have to all, get and he thought it was like Sabbath. Yeah, he thought and he was about to rearrange my schedule and everyone else's schedule as a result, right? Thinking I had to take every Friday off and he was afraid not to give me that every Friday off. He was going to give me a Saturday or a Sunday, right? Until I told him all I needed is an extra hour. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, so, well, I have a great story about this. So I started a job it was a uh, Allstate, it's a big company. Yeah. So I got the the offer and so the first, uh, the first thing I told them is, look, I walked in my first day. I said, look, Fridays, I need an extra hour. I have to go to Jomah. I'm yeah, Muslim, yeah. and I have to pray. Yeah. And they were like, you're Muslim? Because, you know, my name, my, yeah. my legal name doesn't sound Muslim at all, right? Yeah. right? So I was like, yeah, I'm Muslim. I have to go pray, and it is what it is. And they were like, all right, whatever. So, But I did the job, and I did a, I did a good enough job that I hooked one of my friends up with a job, huh. Andrew. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he comes in and <laughs> he shows up and he goes to his boss and he says, uh, you know, Fridays, I need to take extra time because I have to go pray Jummah. And she's like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are scamming me. There's no way you're both Muslim. That's <laughs> funny. Um, and, uh, and talking about Jummah, do you know that in fiqh, prisoners uh, do not have to pray Jummah? In fiqh, if you're, a, if you're a prisoner, you do not have to pray Jummah, Right. So does that mean corporate prisoners? Well, no, no, not not. Uh, <laughs> Don't come up with some kind of weird yeah, yeah, modernish she had. Not metaphoric, uh, not <laughs> metaphoric prisoners, yeah. right? Uh, but in jails, Juma is huge. Yeah, because it's important. It's great. It's yeah. important, right? Now, one of my friends, when he saw all the Muslims uh, taking Juma, he wasn't a Muslim at the time. <laughs> He said, oh, this is a chance to get an extra break, right? Yeah. So he started going to Juma, yeah. right? He started going to Juma. So he started going to Jumma just to just to get out of the cell, right. and he's hanging out in the back, just sitting there doing nothing, just watching yeah. Jumma after Jumma after Jumma. So finally, the Imam there he calls him up, says, you, "I've been seeing you for months now, coming to Jumma. You, you, you want to become Muslim? Are you Muslim? You want to become Muslim?" He said, "I'm not Muslim, yeah, but I'll become Muslim, yeah, sure." <laughs> <Why not?" laughs> so, so he goes, uh, so the, so he goes after so after the Jumma. The imam makes the announcement. Anyone want to take the shahada? Right? So, uh, and he points at him and says, you want to take the shahada? He's like, I, I ain't doing that, man. Yeah. He didn't know what that is, right? He didn't know what take the shahada was. not taking nothing. He's like, I, I ain't getting involved in that. Yeah. He's like, wait, didn't you just say you want to become Muslim? He said, that, that'll that do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he became Muslim just to get out of his cell to pray yeah. Jummah, 
right? So it goes to show you what Jamal does. Did it stick? It stuck. Alhamdulillah. This brother fought, and and the brothers in the jails, they suffer (laughs) a lot. Yo, people are able to pray Juma in jail and pray like, you know, on time in jail. Mm-hmm. And if you're at work, you literally have zero excuses. Yeah. Because so, there's people in prison so that I'm, are able to pray without any problems. So I'm going to yeah. take the opportunity now to give you some guidelines about your rights, at least if oh, you're good. in the United States. Elias so, Lahoz Esquire, by the way. Yeah. Yes, this so is, in this the United is, States, yeah. you have the right as a religious person, whether you're a new convert to a religion, mm-hmm. whether you've been working at that company for many years and you say, I'm newly practicing, mm-hmm. all of these things count. So it's not like, oh, you've been working here for three years and you never mentioned it. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You can become newly observant or more That's observant. True. What if you converted? Yeah, yeah, all of those things are covered and they've been covered by case law and they're covered under the law. Yeah. Under the law, if you ask for a religious accommodation, mm-hmm. the burden is on, on your employer to either provide that accommodation or demonstrate that providing the accommodation would cause an undue burden to them that they cannot fulfill the way that you ask. Yeah. So you want Joma off. You need to have an extra hour break for Joma. They have to make an accommodation, either work. You know, if you're taking an hour, work extra 15 minutes the four days prior or work an extra hour that day or something, right? Whatever it is, they should be able to accommodate you. And if they say, no, you can't do it, then they have to they have to demonstrate the burden is on them the legal burden is on them to demonstrate how that's an undue uh an undue difficulty for them mm-hmm. and i mean it could be yeah for example You're a bus ne- driver cannot stop his route halfway keep the passengers on pray juma right and then go back that's so what they would do is maybe give them an alternate route. schedule yeah, yeah. on fridays route. you work later a late schedule yeah. or whatever right they can rotate your schedule or something like that yeah. or i mean you could be like an er nurse right an, an emergency room nurse, oh, okay. like a trauma nurse. Yeah. There's a bullet, there's a gunshot wound. Yeah. You can't be like, well, somebody come cover for me yeah. and go. Yeah. So there's there's a, or like school <laughs> teachers actually face this. It's a big problem because during the school day, yeah, and their breaks are structured in a certain way, and they might not be able to accommodate them. And there's nothing really you can do about it. In that's that case, you have no legal recourse. You might want to look for another job if it's you know. A big, but otherwise, there's nothing you they can really do for you. That's but it, those are exceptional circumstances. Let me tell you something else too for people out there who might not be aware of the fiqh. Do you know that Juma can be done in 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan gave a khutbah. Sayyidina Uthman is amazing. In his khilafah, he did things that neither uh, the Prophet wasallam nor Abu Bakr Siddiq nor Umar bin Khattab did. And he did those things on purpose to show the Muslims what the limits are of what is fard and what is sunnah. Right? So he, he did many things like this. And one of the things that he did was he gave a khutbah of Jumu'ah with one verse of Quran. He did the requisite uh, entry of the Jum'ah. You begin the Jum'ah with Hamd. You don't begin with Bismillah. You begin with Alhamdulillah. You have to make Salah on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You have to uh, say the Shahada, at least some somewhere in the intro. You have to recite a verse of Quran anywhere in the Khutbah. And then you you have to advise the Muslims for Taqwa. And then you say, Amma Ba'd. Right? Amma Ba'd. Then you say what you, you're in Nasihah to the Ummah. Right? And then you sit down and then you stand up again. You say, uh, You sit down for a very short period of time, like 10 seconds, 5 seconds. Then you stand up again. You say, Alhamdulillah, And then you make dua for the ummah. You have to make dua for the entire ummah. Right? And then you say, That's, that's Jummah. This entire Jummah, plus the two rakahs, I guarantee you, it can be done correctly, fulfilling all the obligations in 10 minutes. Right? Easily. Easily. And the uh, Jum'ah used to be, that the ulama used to consider it, obligatory to do in the Jami'ah Mosque. 
the Jama Mosque is the central mosque of the town, right? Like you can't do it in a little prayer, uh, little little masajid, don't do Juma. But the fiqh of the ulama have agreed that in certain circumstances, the Juma would be valid. This is like a bid'ah, right? That is accepted because of circumstances. Juma would be valid outside. And multiple Juma's in the same city, and multiple Juma's in the same masjid because of traffic, and Juma at the workplace, and Juma in rented halls, that the ulama have said it's all valid, right? Mm-hmm. So literally speak, literally, you can co- uh, conduct a Juma. You do not have to be a scholar to conduct Salatul Juma with two or three people in the same exact time it would take to pray Salatul Zuhur. Mm-hmm. I'm, ter- I'm serious, not even a, 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 that complicated. And there are websites out there that you could print out. There are 52 Juma's already written for you, right? Already written for you. And you could do Juma with reciting one hadith or the translation of one verse or one paragraph of a nasiha written down somewhere. Right. Right. So Juma can be made easy for people. And l- let's remember another thing too. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, When it comes to pagans, the difference between us and them, our contract with Allah is the prayer. That's how important the prayer is. So we need to have fiqh of the prayer so that we could actually do it in the hard circumstances. Very true. By the way, I just want to jump in with something really quick that's important here. And it's this idea of having to, um, or of trying to gratify non-Muslims in the workplace or anywhere, really. It's not going to happen until you give up your deen completely, Mm -hmm. right? It's not about, you can accept homosexuality, you can accept, you know, this and that, you can accept people doing whatever they want. You can accept going out to drink alcohol. You can accept anything that they ask you for. You can accept evolutionary theory, however they say it is. Until you say, I don't believe in God, you're still not really part of the gang. So don't even try it. There's no point. Don't go down the whole list and then find yourself still outside. Stay outside and remain with your Iman. It doesn't mean you're going to be ostracized, by the way. You just will never be part of it. You're never going to be part of it unless you give up this deen completely. Toynbee, uh, who wrote the rise and fall? Uh, it was Toynbee, right? Who wrote the rise and fall of the Roman Empire? He no, said, we said it was, was it? Gibbon? Gibbon. Gibbon. Oh, we Gibbon. we talked about this already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said that when Rome fell, the only people that survived were the people who, even if they were in Rome, their culture was not Roman. They kept to their their previous religions or their previous cultures. <clears throat> right. So uh, even when you were in uh, the belly of the beast, right? If you're working in Wall Street in Manhattan or something like this, right? As long as you're sticking to your own deen and beliefs and practices and, and ways operating, right? There is to a degree you're going to be immune, right, to the negativity of the culture. To a degree, right? Mm-hmm. To a degree. And and by the way, what I just said, don't take that the wrong way. That doesn't mean that you have to be cantankerous at work, or or even yeah. that you're going to be disliked because you know I have a beard, I have a black muhajiba wife. Yeah, I even talk about my political views, which are very you know. And everybody, I can say this honestly, everybody at work likes me. Yeah. From like a 70-year-old like yeah. Republican conservative judge yeah. all the way down the line to people that are younger Smart. than me. Yeah. Everybody likes me. You uh, just have to be a normal human being yeah, and have yeah. a good personality yeah. and be kind and you That's know follow true. the sunnah. I mean, smile at people. Yeah, be course. helpful. Do for people even when they're not doing for you. Smart. Like even, yeah, even Be the, a Muslim. Even the people that you work with, right? They're not this monolithic entity, right? There's, yeah. there's different people with different views on different things that'll keep quiet in certain circumstances and speak up during mm-hmm. other circumstances. So you're better off just holding true to what you believe in, 
what your principles are yeah. because otherwise you'll just be like you know a feather in the wind just uh-huh. just blowing around mm-hmm. every anything somebody's anytime somebody says something you agree with them and then Later, somebody says something else and to try to get their favor, you agree with them. There's no and point. Le, and no, me, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. you can't do that. I, and, I, and let me tell you something that the Quranic ayah, which which we all know, that uh, they will not be pleased with you until you join their milla, which is their way of doing everything. Right. Right. Um, this applies in general. It doesn't apply to specifics. Mm-hmm. You can have many individual isolated cases of people, right, who are not Muslims, who are completely like you said, they respect you. You have great relations with them. You're yeah. friends with them. So at the individual level, right, uh, it's different. At the general level, it's the case. Yeah. I mean, I've I've noticed it many, many times at work where it's happened where it's Juma time and somebody will schedule a meeting right at Juma time. It happened recently to me. Uh, they scheduled the meeting with our CEO and it was a bunch of us and I was leading the meeting with the CEO. So I, they scheduled yeah. the meeting at Juma time and I said, I can't make it. And yeah. they're like, oh, this is the only time the CEO is free. And I was like, well, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I have to yeah. go to I have to yeah. go to prayer. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, you know, like, can't you, like, move it around? I was like, can't you move it around? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but it's the CEO. I was like, I don't care who it is. Yeah, you're <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> it's the CEO, but this is God. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> I don't care God. who it is. Like, what do you you can fire me, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, and so then they fired you, and now you're no, being kicked out of your home? Meeting. Oh, okay. They moved the meeting. They moved the meeting, and they realized, like, okay, like. And and to the point now they realize that. They can never schedule anything here at Joma, at Joma yeah. right? Here, Even the CEO can't yeah. get. Can't Here's schedule a pro something. tip for working people: block off your Fridays, block off your Friday afternoons with with a meeting, so that nobody can schedule you, uh, any any of your time during that yeah. that period. Mm-hmm. By the way, I was telling I was telling uh and uh, Wayne a couple of weeks ago or last week that when I was working at one company, I used to schedule ten minutes. I used mm-hmm. to reserve the, one of the conference rooms for ten minutes mm-hmm. every day. Oh, so like well, at lower time. Oh, right? well, so that you can. Yeah. And, right. I, and I did it at the door. I went to the like the top person's secretary yeah. and was like, "Can you can yeah. you block this off? If there's ever a meeting, let me know. I'll yeah. I'll make I'll do take care of it somewhere else. But otherwise, just pencil me in every day for this time." And you and remember, she was like, "All right, uh, fine." Yeah, go ahead. When I first started working at my current job, I start in the beginning. That's what I started doing. I started blocking off like a conference room here and there. After like three weeks, I was like, you know what? Let me just ask them, like, if I can, you know, if I have permission to do this. I was like, yeah. can I? Do I even have this? So I asked uh, our HR. I was like, you know, I'm blocking off conference rooms to pray, and they're like, why are you doing that? They're like, we'll give you a room. So they yeah, gave me so a whole wow. room yeah. to so pray. Wow. They're like, blocked off, locked door. You know, I can go mm-hmm. in and pray yeah. as long as I want. They're like, you know, you don't need to cut, so you know, wow. have a conference room. We'll just give you a whole room. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, sometimes it's just mm-hmm. a matter of realizing that uh, well, it's not. It's more accommodating sometimes than you think. Yeah, of course. Look. Even if they're like, Ugh, right? In real life, they, there's nothing they can really do about it, yeah. and they don't they don't want to stir up a big, huge controversy no. mm-hmm. so they can stand on principle exactly. against your yeah. particular religion. It's ridiculous. And As here, a- here, here's a thing that uh, undermines all of this. When I whenever I hear people talk about this, it gets me really upset. Uh, someone who prays, like religiously, no pun intended, yeah. on the job, and he has the big beard, but then he's not paying on time. He cheats. Stuff He's involved right, in yeah. competition, like nasty cutthroat competition with people, right? People are, you know, that type of thing. And as Muslims, work is a beautiful thing for us, right? Yeah. We a Prophet Adam loved work. Mm. If it was halal work, he loved work. And he said, your work is your worship. Because think of how many positive things are going on when you're working honestly and hard and morally, 
right? Yeah. How many people have a good opinion, right? So you're leaving people with a good opinion. And to ruin that, to ruin all your salah, because you cheated one person or you cutthroat another person right. to get a position or something like this. We got to be careful of this. It's true. Yeah. And when, we were, when, when, I, when I was looking at this subject, when we were reading through the subject uh, of, of work and contracts and employer contracts, that employment contract and every provision in it is obligatory on you like as if it was a commandment from Allah. Right. Unless it's That's something true. haram. That's very You true. signed it voluntarily. Yep. You said, mm-hmm. I agree to yep. whatever restrictions you put on my Internet use. I agree mm-hmm. to being here at this time mm-hmm. and yep. leaving right. at this time. Right. And in between then, actually working and doing what yeah. you're asking me to do. And yeah. any, according to the Ulama, any violation of that is, is, is sinful and yeah. it's, it's like you're stealing. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. The, and you're treacherous to your boss, mm-hmm. who's uh, the means through which Allah is providing your risk. Yeah. Uh, the principle in Arabic is Shari'atul Muta'aqidain al Aqd, which means the sacred law, the Sharia. Regarding two people with an agreement is the agreement. Mm. So, for example, no one says, "Well, it's in the contract." Oh, yeah, but it's not in the Quran and the Sunnah, right? Yeah, mm. but it's in the contract, right? And the contract, why? Because the Prophet peace be upon him said, mm. "Believers are on their contracts, right? If you give a word to someone, right, that becomes Sharia, mm. right? right? That becomes your sacred, your individualized sacred law that you agree to." And right. think about this: it, marriage. Do two people have to marry? No. The fact that they marry, what are they doing? A sunnah. It's just a sunnah. It's not fard. But once they marry, there are responsibilities now that are fard. It's mm. fard on mm-hmm. him to yeah. do certain things, and right. it's fard on her to do certain things. Right. If she, if he or she doesn't do them, they're sinful. Even though getting in the contract to begin with was just a sunnah. Yeah. Likewise, getting a work contract, I mean, working is fard, but that specific contract is like halal, right? Yeah. But yeah. now, up, up, keeping it up is fard. Right. I'm just going to throw this in here, though. Uh, a lot of corporate jobs, right? This stipulation of like, oh, you need to do, you need to be, it's not like a, a factory worker, yeah. right? Where you're yeah. on the, you know, you know, you're on the belt making things right. constantly. You need to punch in. Right. Punch yeah. Out. You need to punch in or punch out. And so corporate jobs are very like, there have been times I've asked my manager, you know, yeah. what do I do for the next couple of right. days? I don't have anything. Here's- and he's told me. Just chill out. I'm like, here's what does that thing. mean? Like, yeah, here's the thing. But, like, then, <laughs> but then that's part of your agreement. Well, yeah, so no, it's permissible. So as far as like the missing prayers at work thing, I think, you know, people need to do some introspection on this um, because how much of it is due to a perceived uh, intolerance from your coworkers or a lack of accommodation versus people's own embarrassment of doing these things visibly at work. Yeah, of course. Right. Absolutely. Because that's a, that plays a part, too. Right. You know, it's it's easy to be like, you know what? They're not going to allow this. They're gonna they're gonna say no. They're gonna think this. They're gonna do that. Versus just your own reluctance in it's in oftentimes the prank, in our head. Right? I, I I remember one time in London, I used to recite my entire uh, portion of Quran just on the bus, right? I used to love taking the bus, right? Because you recite your whole portion of Quran uh, uh, and do a lot of things on the bus. So I used to tell brothers, you just do your Quran on the bus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one brother, he came back. He's like, subhanAllah, I did it, man. But everyone was staring at me, right? I was like, you're probably acting funny, though, right? Because I just pull I just pull it out. <laughs> he was and I like Abdul Basit. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's people, humans almost like can sense if you're nervous, right? right? Of course. Yeah. They could sense that. Of course that. they can. But so if you're just, it's probably in your head that they're like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very true. And yeah. also, you know, to Most care what, especially, care. especially <laughs> on the bus, 
What do you care what strangers think yeah, about that's you? True. Yeah, you'll never What's see them again. At work, like I could still again. be like, all right, they yeah. know you. Yeah. On the bus. For, for, for some, re- for some reason, I so- social stigma is a huge thing for a lot. Yeah, of social stigma yeah. is a big. But deal. even with strangers that you'll never see again. Yeah. Like I was telling these guys last week too. I I used to have a car that had a dent on the door, and I didn't fix it. I didn't want to waste the money on it. The accident was my fault. And people used to be like, "Whoa, why don't you get that fixed?" And I'd be like, "Why do I care?" Yeah. <laughs> the ninety-nine percent of the people that see that dent, it might think, "Oh, that guy has a dented car." Yeah. I'll never see them. The people in the street. Who I'll never interact with. Yeah. What do I care what people think? I, I always talk to people who tell me, and I have an allergy. As soon as someone says, well, the people will think, I have an allergy to this, mm-hmm. right? I I totally love, I love and respect people who act on their own principle. I don't, not jerks, right? No one's advocating to be a jerk. Yeah, of course. Right? Because that's not against, that's against the sunnah. Right. But I love people who act on their own principle, not accounting their principles, right? To other people now how you talk how you act upon those principles is a different story you can cater it so that there's no need to pick a fight where you shouldn't right. and it's also sunnah to offend people but the principle itself whether it's offensive or not if it's revelation you shouldn't care if it's the right thing you shouldn't care right you're not going to go eat pork because so-and-so is going to be offended if you don't right are you going to do that no so why won't you do anything else Right. Right. So it's it's, people, I think, are actually very attracted to someone who has something to believe in. Right. And they're not attracted to someone who's trying to pander and apologize. Like, I remember people who always say, oh, you fast Ramadan. It's in the summer. It's in August. Yeah. And they say, well, it's only 12 hours as as if you're what you what if it was you're not proud of it. Yeah. I say. I'm I'm fasting in Ramadan, August. If Allah said add another hour, I right. will be proud to do it. Of course, mm-hmm. right? I'm, like, where's I, your pride? And you know, I kind of missed that attitude. I'm gonna, I was yeah. uh, go ahead. I'm gonna quote my man Omar from The Wire: "A man gotta have a code." <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to an old Hamza Yusuf lecture from like the '90s, right today, um, and uh, I kind of missed this attitude that Muslims used to have, where they were just firm on their principles. So in the yeah. middle of the talk, he says, the 90s. he's like, he's like, some of these kuffar, he's like, they say, he's like, they say in my humble opinion, yeah, he's yeah. like, what do you mean in your humble <laughs> opinion? Yeah. Right? So like, it, it really hit me. I was like, you know, yeah, 10 years ago in our communities, like there were still people who were firm, yeah. right? Like they, yeah. like they didn't just like wobble. But mm-hmm. nowadays, like everybody, even at work, it happens now where it's like, oh, we try to conform to, you know. It was bad dawah, too. It yeah. is. It's very it, bad it, it reflects that you yourself aren't really convinced, almost. Like someone says, I got to pray, but it's only two minutes. Hold on a second. You should be proud of your prayer. What do you mean it's only two minutes? I'm going to go pray, right? You're going to give me time to pray, period. End of discussion. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> like you don't have to be a jerk. No one's going to be a jerk, Right. But we're saying, like, why are you talking in this defensive, this type of apologetic approach about yeah. your dean? You should be happy about it. <laughs> like it's a concession. And proud of yeah. it. Yeah. As if you're like, you, you're almost apologizing that you have this obligation. Mm-hmm. Right. It should be your number one pride and joy. And joy, too. Not a pride. That one of the people say, what is a sign that prayer is accepted with Allah? He said that you enjoy it, the prayer. That you love the fact that your God commanded you to pray. Dude, if your CEO called you up to the office and he said to you, hey, what's happening, man? I just want to talk. You go up scared. What did I do wrong? He said, no, no, just sit down, man. I just want to talk. Tell me what you want to say. How would you feel? You would be walking on air. You'd go take your wife out for a dinner that night. (laughs) (laughs) Your kid would fail and you won't even say anything to him. 
right? You'd be so happy. Imagine the creator of the universe has called you to meet him. This is what salah is. So you're saying we shouldn't rush it? Subhanallah, man. Because <laughs> you wouldn't go into the Bro. CEO and be like, all right, all right, but I got to get back. Yeah. Yeah. I knew a guy who once said to me something so bad. He doesn't realize he's saying it so bad. He said he has mastered, mastered Salatul Fajr so that he actually <laughs> is in a, doesn't have to wake up. Like he's, he's, he goes, he goes, I've mastered the Fajr prayer to the point that, right? He knows that he doesn't have to turn any lights on. He has the water at a high temperature, warm temperature. Okay. Of course, he's one of those who he wipes on the socks, right? Which we know that this is a very weak opinion in fifth. In his sleep? This is the, yeah, literally, literally, he makes his wudu. Okay. (laughs) He recites kothar and ikhlas. Very quickly, right next to the bed, and rolls right back into the bed. So it's just like a break from sleep. This but is not this, like fully awake. This is his achievement. This is his achievement that he's bragging about. This is someone born into Islam. I want to ask him: Have you convinced yourself of this religion? Right? You're not convinced. You're like doing a ritual. We're like dying. We need to take a break. I knew, I knew that was coming. You know as soon as he said, "I knew a guy," I knew something was coming. Subhanallah. But you know what? May Allah accept it from him, and yeah. it's still better than the people who don't even try. Of course. Yeah. Well, At least he wakes up. Well, no, he doesn't. No, that, that <laughs> he doesn't wake up, <laughs> but he does the yeah. prayer. Yeah. Does inshallah, it's accepted. Yeah, inshallah. Uh, <laughs> so, alhamdulillah, that was uh, that was good. So, I think uh, we're hitting like our our time mark here. So, we should conclude. Um, but do you have any last comments? I have a I co- two, two two things to say. First thing about the contract, you can agree to do something halal. It right. becomes fard, right? Something can be... There's something in fiqh that's very unique. Something could be um, makruh. But if you're asked to do it, you have to do it. I'll give you an example of this. Imam Malik, <clears throat> this it's really has to do with the respect of Allah and His Prophet. Peace be upon him. And this may, might not exactly be related to our subject, but I felt important to say it. Imam Malik said one time, we all know that salah after salat al-asr is makruh. Haram, to pray after Asr, right? Now, a boy one time came to Malik, Imam Malik, radiallahu anh, rahimahullah, radiallahu anh, I should say, and he said to, Ya Malik, irka, right? To pray two rakas. And Allah Alam, I think maybe he wanted to see how Malik, Imam Malik prays, right? right? He's a young boy. Now, we know that it's haram to pray at this time. Imam Malik got up, haram or makruh, Imam Malik got up and he prayed two rakas. And all of the youth, the, the students, were surprised. They said, uh, and they, he, he didn't, they didn't say anything, right? Imam Malik was not like uh, Imam Abu Hanifa who allowed his people to talk. Imam Malik was very uh, uh, like majestic and like a king. He was the king, basically. And they didn't talk. They didn't say anything. But he explained to them. The Quran says, If they're told to make ruku'ah, they refuse to make ruku'ah. So that ayah overrides that ayah overrides this ruling, right? So I pray the turakas because the boy said pray, and you can't say, no, I'm not going to pray. Likewise, if people wow. are respecting the Prophet, peace be upon him, there are certain things that aren't sunnah to do regarding the respect of the Prophet. They're not sunnah to do, right? For example, if someone says stand and make salam on the Prophet, peace be upon him, stand out of respect, if everyone does it, right? It's not sunnah to do that, right? However, however, if someone asks you to respect the Prophet in a certain way, 
for you to say no will make your heart hard. Mm-hmm. It'll you harden your heart. <clears throat> so certain things that have to do with that are, uh, uh, of course, if it's outlandish and, 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 and forbidden, obviously we're not going to do that. So likewise, it's just something that came up to my mind, even though it's not or when we said that you enter into a contract, it's halal to enter into it, but once you enter into it, it's binding and obligatory. Right. So that's one thing. The second thing that I wanted to say is a lot of Muslim uh, brothers and sisters out there, uh, they, they love the deen, they love everything, uh, and they're always saying to themselves, they're feeling guilty about being at work, and they're saying, I wish I could just be doing da'wah. I wish I could be seeking knowledge. We tell them, uh, and Sheikh Yaqubi was asked a long time ago, can I live a worldly life as a doctor or a lawyer and be a talib ilm, student of knowledge? And on the path to Allah, he said, of course. You're just going you're gonna, to you're, you're gonna have to allocate certain times to study. And for these people, all they need to know is uh, the location of where they can access lectures. And they need to know the difference between knowledge classes and what we call waz. Waz is like a, a nice talk, a nice juma khutbah, or juma khutbah is a little bit more formal, or a nice little talk, a pep talk, right? <laughs> That, that you hear at conferences, they need to know the difference between that and an actual lesson of aqidah or fiqh or Quran or hadith. And then they slowly listen to these lectures and take an Arabic class every once every two weeks or once a week, right? You can do it, but you also should never feel guilty about working, right? right? Allah has not made the earth for all people to be students of knowledge and mendicants and, and students, you know what? This is a nope. perfect in that question, right? Yeah. I mean, just look at the examples. We, you have like do, Dr. Samar Nas, uh-huh. medical doctor, Sheikh, physician, yeah. do, Dr. Muhammad Ninui, medical doctor, Sheikh, yeah, Dr. Hussein Abdul Sitar, mm-hmm. medical, medical doctor, doctor, professor of medicine, Sheikh, right? Yeah, like it can be done. It can and be by done. the way, the barakah that Allah will place in your time if your yeah. intention is correct. Yeah. The the time that I did the most, and I don't have any. But the the bit little foundation that I made for myself in terms of learning was coincided with my first year of being married, my second year of law school, while I was working full time. Yeah, and I still was able to accomplish all. And law school is a lot of reading, like yeah. 600, 700 pages a week. Yeah, uh, all That's of that insane. done at the same period, and it felt like nothing because a lot yeah. because a lot respects you, or a lot rewards your intention. Yeah, so you can do. All of it. Yeah. So yeah, working is not an excuse for ignoring your dean. Is working is so, not an excuse, especially if you have an Xbox that you play yeah. all day. <laughs> and uh, watch cat videos. And on top of that, <laughs> cat, <laughs> cat videos are very. Uh, they, they increase your iman. <laughs> <laughs> and and on top of that, the prophet said, "Make hal- the halal halal." Yeah. Right. You know, which means that make that if you work in a halal job, this is an act of worship. Right. You're saying mm-hmm. this yeah. is a halal money I'm mm-hmm. earning here. Right? It's and it's not easy to get a halal job these days. So many yeah. jobs have shubhas, especially in the financial side. Of Very true. <laughs> so alhamdulillah, I do want to close. Um, before we close, I, I just mm-hmm. want to say uh, alhamdulillah, somehow we've been invited to do a live version of the podcast at the Enlightened, pa- Enlightened Path Conference in uh, Philadelphia, uh, February 10th. Uh, it starts... Around six, and I think it goes to nine. So it will be our team here, and along with us will be Sheikh Hamza Makbul. Uh, so we'll be bring, so we'll be bringing our equipment. Uh, inshallah, we'll be doing the podcast live. I, uh, um, we didn't organize it; it's organized by Enlightened Path. I think uh, 
some folks from Drexel University as well. So you'll have to find their event on Facebook, and I think you have to register there. Uh, but but we'll be on it. Alhamdulillah. Um, I also want to thank our uh, team that's backstage, uh, the marketing team. Uh, they've been, they're doing they've a great been, job. They've been doing a fantastic mm-hmm. job. You're doing a great job. Alhamdulillah. So I just want to give them a shout out that yeah. you know may Allah increase their efforts. You're doing a great job. I'm not. I don't want to say that they have to do a great job, right? But but they uh, are. Alhamdulillah. Of course, they do have to do a great job. Tell me, tell me, increase your event. Of course, we, we're not gonna yeah. take uh, low quality, but they're alhamdulillah doing a great job. Yeah. I love cats. Doesn't that increase your? Elias has shown me a picture of cats. Cats, by the way, people. It's my cover on Facebook. This is a. uh, (laughs) By the way, it's a mental, emotional thing for cats. When you come in, and that cat like runs towards you, I I know this. These cats have some kind of consciousness. I guarantee you. Of course, they have a consciousness. They know who you are, and they like to Mm. make you feel good, Mm. right? And this is your cat. Yeah. Oh, that's a beauty. Can they pray Fajr while they're sleeping? (laughs) My 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 cat. loves the salah for a certain reason because you know that the cat loves to roam around your legs right right? and in salah you're standing yeah right so whenever we call the ikama now the cat comes running right to come and roam around our legs because you know these cats it's like pavlovian if they yeah yeah if it's something's associated right okay do we have a no, no plug or no anything. Plug. Uh, so alhamdulillah, that was just, the plug. The conference. that was essentially the plug. So conference, yeah. uh, February tenth, uh, Philadelphia. Look up Enlightened Path Conference. You guys, you guys. Yeah, the two things. Firstly, the uh, we got a, a, a the, our classes are up. Oh. We have our adult uh, class now for those who are on the foundations of the dean. That's Wednesday nights. We got converts uh, halakha uh, with Ilyas Tuesday nights. We got uh, Awalem Sundays, right? Maybe one or two spots left. You got to like uh, jam in there. I, I, yeah, I think there's only a couple left. Yeah, like maybe one or two spots left. And then uh, that's with the stretch. We already stretched it. Uh, and then also our friend Hajj, Al Hajj, who's done a lot for us. Uh, he's doing Halal China tours. If you want to go to China in April, mm. right? Want to go to China in April? Right, you can go to Halal China. And it's a good tours. time. A lot of people have spring break off and stuff. Like yeah, that. you the got spring break, and he takes you basically because his wife is Chinese Muslim, and she'll take you around to the Muslim areas of China. And I find it like sort of useful because the Chinese are a group of people who were totally integrated in their society culturally, like racially, ethnically, but yet they kept their dean down right. as a minority for a long time. And this is what we in America have to do. We got to keep our dean down. Right, and they keep it down right. So she'll, she, she, him, and her will take you. And because Hajj has done a lot for us uh, as our cameraman, basically our basic uh, our uh, live stream guy. So uh, we have to give this plug and help him out. Inshallah. Okay, inshallah. So, um, so okay, I think we'll end. Inshallah. Thank right. you, everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka.